Yes, he's rich. I'm Matt. There is a ton of stuff to delve into. Breaking news today. We're recording this on April 2nd. Um, Oklahoma gets an offensive line transfer, a really good offensive line transfer, a high profile. We got to jump into that. Also, the university announces uh, today that everything's shut down. No in-person events at the University of Oklahoma until after July 31st. So that means summer courses will be done online and there will be no activities taking place on campus in Norman. And you got to think that means football activities as well. Now, what I think about this is I was already concerned about the prospect of there not being a 2020 football season. Now I'm really worried. Granted, though, I think it's the right move. I think when you... I don't, particularly when you're dealing with young people, uh, people who live from all across the United States, and you're bringing them into their your campus, and you're charged with the task of taking care of them, it's better to be overly cautious than underly cautious, in my opinion. So I think this is the right move, although it gives, again, it concerns me in can, in terms of will there be a 2020 college football season. I do not believe at this point that this means that there won't be a 2020 college football season. I do believe that it could be uh, the first steps of a delayed 2020 college football season, meaning it's not going to start on the first week of uh, the first weekend in September. It might start, you know, two weeks into September and get pushed back. That, in my opinion, opens the door to some other possibilities like, I don't know, expanding the college football playoff. Because one thing that we've always heard was uh, you can't expand the college football playoff because you don't want to go into the winter semester. Well, if you do push the season back, then you got a couple of options. Option one is you cancel all non-conference games, those early September games, and you start right at conference play. And you play, you know, in the Big 12, you play nine conference opponents. And then you go into the conference championship game and you try to maintain some sort of a schedule. Or you push the season back. And if you can push the season back into January, late December, into January, depending on how far this thing goes, then suddenly you've got a case to expand the college football playoff. I guess what I'm saying is I'm a little bit optimistic. I mean, even though it's the potential of delayed football season, um, there may be something that good comes out of it. That said, I, I now have to change my stance, Rich. I, I've done a two and a half minutes worth of talking here before bringing you in. Um, I do have to change my stance because I have been adamantly saying Oklahoma will get these practices in that they lost in the spring. The fact that there's no activities until after the 31st of August, I mean, excuse me, the 31st of July, that means you go right into, I mean, assuming 31st of July, everything's clear. That means August 1st, you start your training camp. So these practices that were lost for the spring are now officially lost. They're not coming back. I always thought June, July, you didn't have the opportunity to make those up. There's no opportunity now. There's a huge conversation that can be spawned from what you just said. When it comes to the August 1st date, we know that we are clearly into the summer at that point in time, no questions asked. And we are ever so close to what should be the the beginning of the college football season. 
when we look at, and I know we're going to get to the, the top 25 rankings here in just a little bit. I'm jumping the gun. Um, but as you were speaking, I had this idea. I was going to pose this question to you and see what you thought because I have my own opinion. And it, it may be something that we could follow up in written form with. When we look at the dates that you've just given us, when we look at the potential to start, whether that's at the beginning of September, middle of September, or even later, all of a sudden, these workouts, these practices have been condensed, which also means the importance of making decisions ha takes much a much higher priority, in my opinion. When we look at a lot of these top 25 teams, there are quarterback battles that will continue to be put into limbo. I know that Oklahoma fans believe that Spencer Rattler is the future but as it pertains to Oklahoma, given the dates that you've just mentioned, is it more likely that we see someone who has more experience under Lincoln Riley? Or we still go with with Spencer Rattler, who has just one year behind Jalen Hurts? No, this is still the Spencer Rattler show. And I, I think if this is going to hurt one of the two guys, it's Tanner Mordecai more than it's going to hurt Spencer Rattler. Because Spencer Rattler was the odds on favor. Tanner Mordecai had to prove through the spring and through summer workouts that he could somehow get a leg up on Spencer Rattler. And so this was Spencer Rattler's show, like I said, and the only thing this does is help solidify that because it takes away opportunity from Tanner Mordecai to overtake him. There's no doubt. Again, you go all the way back to the Peach Bowl. There's no doubt that Spencer Rattler was QB number two at the end of the season. No doubt. Right. So you've got, if you're not QB number two and you're not QB number one, that means you've got more to prove. And that's where Mordecai really got hurt by these spring practices officially being canceled. Um, so no, I don't think it hurts Rattler at all. That's good. <laughs> We're going to be on the same side of the fence here. And I love that you bring up this idea of opportunities to prove you're worthy of the candidacy that you are worthy of stepping out on the field in that number one position. We've got what we've seen last season. Of course, there's a little bit more experience under this coaching staff with Tanner Mordecai, but we also know that there are some shifts. There are some changes. It's not just about what you can do when the ball is in your hand. It's about the chemistry with the receivers, your ability to read a moving pocket and even your ability to scramble and extend plays. I believe Spencer Rattler has all of those things going in, going for him. So I, I loved what you said in that it really removes those opportunities because I believe that hits the nail on the head. Yeah, and, and so the thing to watch there is what happens with um, with Mordecai. Does he stick it out? You know, because, you know, again, once classes start, you can't transfer so does he stick it out through the summer? Or does he, you know, does he just say, okay, I'll be. If classes start, I'm kidding, I'm no, kidding. No, that, 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 that could be a valid point. I, I mean, again, here's the thing. This is what, my final thought on this. I do believe it's the right decision, okay? I mean, I hate it, but just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not the right decision. But because they're taking these precautionary measures, you know, you get to the end of May, you get to June 1st, and we're, as a nation, the, the, I watched, you know, the governor of New York, Cuomo, says by July 1st, he believes New York's back to normal, and the new normal, so to speak. So if you get to July 1st, you get to these early dates, and you think, hey, you know what, maybe we overplayed this a little bit, you can go back and you can change it. 
And it's easier to do that than to get to July 1st or get to the 1st of June and go, hey, we're still in full pandemic mode. What do we do with all these kids making travel plans to come to campus? It's much more difficult to cancel travel plans than to make travel plans. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about lodging, you're talking about feeding. You're t- I mean, this, this is what I do for a living. And I'm in the midst of canceling travel plans and, you know, for eight to 10 hours a day. That's what I've been working on. So I think it's the right decision because it can be, it can be altered. It can be changed. It can be adapted if necessary. And it's not difficult. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I concur. Okay. I, I, I'm just going to make that statement that I, I do concur. It's easier to go back than it is to attempt to make changes in the moment with everything being in a state of flux, with everything being unknown in this uncertainty, you do have to make far reaching decisions that may not hold true. So I, I do agree with what you're saying. Oklahoma receives a high-profile offensive lineman uh, transfer. He is not a graduate transfer. We never reported that he was a graduate transfer. Some other outlets may have done that. Don't get confused. He has two years of eligibility and will have to set out the 2020 season unless the NCAA somehow grants him some sort of hardship waiver. I don't believe that they will do that um, because I don't think there's there's uh, anything that merits that. Chris Murray leaving UCLA and coming to the University of Oklahoma. He was a two-year starter for the Bruins, 6'3", 300 pounds, a four-star recruit coming out of high school. He's played in 24 games, and now he gets to take a red shirt and just get bigger, faster, and stronger. He's Again, he's already big, 6'3", 300. He's the kind of guy that you like to see. Um, if you watch his film, we've got a post at uh, heartland-sports.com announcing this transfer, and we put some of his tape on there, um, actually with just one of his tweets of him playing some of his highlights, he plays with a nastiness. He's got he's got a good balance. He's got long arms. But he he um, what you like to see with offensive linemen is how they finish. How do you finish a play? Go back and you think about some of the really good offensive linemen that the University of Oklahoma has had in the past. Not not just like recently with Orlando Brown, but go way back, you know, and and think about some of those guys, the guys that were that really made themselves a lot of money uh, in the NFL are guys that finish plays. There's one thing like when you're run blocking and you know, the runner is by you there is, there's the tendency to let up and, and just because you've done your job, you let the run, you sprung the runner free, but those guys that are nasty, those guys that are just are going to take you and punish you. Those are the guys that really set themselves up at the next level to make a lot of money. And when you watch this guy's film, He's got, again, he's got the long arms. He's got good balance. He knows how to use all of that, and he likes to punish people. Good pickup for Bill Biedenboe. But again, you look at Oklahoma interior offensive linemen, and they're pretty stacked as it is. So it is a good thing that Oklahoma does get him to come in and to set for a year. But this is a group already that, uh, you know, you've got Marquise Hayes, who's a redshirt sophomore. Uh, you've got Tyrese Robinson, who's going to – oh, excuse me, well, the redshirt junior coming up. Tyrese Robinson will be a redshirt junior coming up. Bray Walker will be a redshirt sophomore. You've got bodies on that interior offensive line. But, it, I mean, Bill Beatenbow, he sees opportunity, and he goes at it. I love this pickup for OU. You got any thoughts on no, that? No, I completely agree with you. Regardless of how many people are in – 
that room, regardless of the depth and the talent that you've got at that position, there's never any harm in adding someone who can immediately come in. And I believe that he's the type of talent Murray is who can come in and compete for playing time. Oh, no doubt. I, not just playing time to come in and be a two year starter. That's, that's the type of talent. That's the caliber of player that we're talking about here. But the, in addition to what you've mentioned, the positives, the upside here is I, I also just from a very short clip believe that he has good recognition from where blitzes, even delayed blitzes are coming from and can slide over, pick those up. But he's also got this this awareness of what's going on more than just that what what he is responsible for. And that's something that all of a sudden you believe you found a leader, a guy who can anchor that offensive line. Now, we believe for the future that's Creed Humphrey. But Creed Humphrey is, a, is an NFL talent who could very well leave after this I, year. I think it's this is a, another conversation for another time. OK, but uh, Creed Humphrey. He could have left after last season. Mm -hmm. I do think he leaves after the 2020 season. If the 2020 season were to get canceled and you're a guy like Creed Humphrey, do you go anyway? Knowing that you, knowing there's enough tape out there, knowing that you've produced enough to be a first-round draft pick, what? do you go? And assuming that there's a combine that he gets invited to, I, I think he would test well. You have to make well. the decision to go to, in order to get to right, the combine. Right, right. I'm just saying he would test well. Yeah. So a decision for him only leads to money. And I think that you opt out, especially as you've mentioned, with the probability of there not being a season. If it gets canceled, I'm Creed Humphrey. I'm going because now I've had a full year just to train for the combine. My sole purpose yeah. being to train for that combine. Needless to say, I believe you're getting a guy who could step in and fill that kind of a role, obviously at a different position, not the center, but a guy who can be a leader and set the tone physically mm -hmm. for what Bill Beanbow wants to do with this offensive line. No doubt. Hey, we've got a lot, a uh, lot more to discuss uh, pro spring top 25. Uh, we've got uh, a really great interview coming up with um, uh, 24 seven, not 24 seven. Well, I'm going to about we've got a really good interview coming up with Bill Williamson. He uh, silver and black pride, part of the SB nation network talking specifically about the Las Vegas Raiders and three Oklahoma football players who may be uh, may be in the works to be drafted uh, to go to uh, Sin City. So thank you for listening. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. We're excited you're with us. All right. Well, no spring football did not necessarily equate to no post-spring top 25. The USA Today coming out last week with their uh, top 25 and the good news is it includes four Big 12 teams. We'll get into all four of those. You could probably guess who they are. Maybe not because Baylor's not in there. I'm just going to say that right now. Baylor, if you were to tell me, hey, there's four teams, I would have guessed Baylor to be one of the four, but they're not. Um, but let's talk about the, the – I want to start by talking about the top five. Now, you're familiar. You, you've seen this, right? Correct, you know? correct. Okay. So top five, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Oregon, and Alabama. One of those doesn't belong. In my opinion, I'm just my I'm offering my humble opinion here. One of those egregiously doesn't belong. Do you want to guess? I think you can make I, I think you can make a case that three of them don't belong. I mean, you can you can argue against three of them, but one of them clearly doesn't belong in there. Yeah, that one's actually a pretty easy option 
from your standpoint, I know that you're talking about Oregon. No, I'm talking about Clemson. No, you're not. <laughs> there's no way. There, there's, there's this common thread that we're beginning to see, and this was what I was alluding to earlier in our podcast. You've got Clemson and Ohio State with returning quarterbacks who are also Heisman candidates. Mm-hmm. It, it's very easy to look at that and to say, as those two players return to the field for their respective teams, you can expect – or at least a lot of people have placed the expectation of the, on them of returning to the college football playoff. When I'm looking at anyone below that, though, and this may extend to the top 10, when I'm looking below that just in your top five, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the, the easy, the odd man out is Oregon. They lose one of the best quarterbacks that they've had in recent memory. Future Miami Dolphin. And now they're looking at replacing... A quarterback, a starting quarterback, I, I just don't know how that's going to shake out, especially given the landscape of the Pac-12 and the, the national perception of it being a down conference across the board. Oklahoma coming in at number six on the on the USA Today Top 25. Georgia, Oregon, Alabama, Oklahoma, three, four, five, and six, all in order, all of them having to replace quarterbacks. And the knock that you hear against Oklahoma is – Quarterback. You don't know who the quarterback is going to be. You don't, you know, Jalen Hurts is gone. You had this line of quarterbacks. It goes from Baker Mayfield to Kyler Murray to Jalen Hurts to Tanner Mordecai or Spencer Rattler. And so, therefore, Oklahoma gets knocked out of the top five. But, I mean, you're losing CeeDee Lamb. I grant you that. You're returning four or five offensive line starters. You're returning Kennedy Brooks, who will be one. Trey Sermon. But, I mean, give me Kennedy Brooks over Trey Sermon, honestly. And I, I said that before. Before the the transfer, you got stars at the receiver position. Mm-hmm. It's not like Ceedee Lamb was the only guy who caught passes. I'm just saying, I feel like Oklahoma. When you look at when you look at players lost and you look at returning starters, Oklahoma, in my opinion, is in a better position than Oregon. And I think I could even make an argument they're in a better position than Alabama. That's all. I mean, look, I I can't really say this is spring, okay? We're into April and we're talking about this stuff. This is more of a serious conversation in mid-November than it is right now. But the point I'm making is Oklahoma sitting in good position. When you think about the perception that people have for the Sooners going into the 2020 season, knowing that they've lost CeeDee Lamb, knowing that they've lost, you know, their starting quarterback in Jalen Hurts, knowing that they've lost Kenneth Murray on the defensive side of the ball. They're still viewed as a not only a top 10 team, but a French top five team. The perception for the University of Oklahoma is extremely high. But then again, so is the perception for Oregon. So is the perception for Georgia. So is the perception for, for Alabama. If you were to rank these three, here's how I'd rank them. The, the three teams in the top in the top five that you just don't shouldn't be there. If Oklahoma could replace one of these three teams, I would rank them. Oregon's the most obvious. I think Georgia, this is a team that struggled offensively all of 2019. Um, they had that mystery loss. Oklahoma has the, how did you lose that game against Kansas State? They lost to South Carolina. And then Alabama, again, not the same team without uh, without Tua under center. So I, I think Oklahoma could, could easily just swap places with Oregon and no one would second guess. I think they could swap places with Georgia, and you might get a little resistance. You swap places with Alabama, and you don't have Alabama in the top five, even though they 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 you can make a legitimate 
a logical argument, you're still going to get in a lot of debating with Alabama. But, man, I, I sure wouldn't have any beef. And I, I think the most of the college football world wouldn't have a beef if you swapped Oklahoma and Oregon in the top ten. Or the top five, honestly. Top six with OU being number six. Right. One of the things that, that is is really baffling for me when it comes to these rankings, Jake Fromm was, was known as a game manager. He was probably one of the best in the country at managing games, putting Georgia in a spot, even if it was a close contest, to have a chance to win each and every game against each and every opponent. They lose Jake Fromm to the NFL, and now they're looking at a transfer quarterback coming in, Jamie Newman from Wake Forest, who I don't believe is very accurate. Everyone wants to talk about the arm strength. Everyone wants to talk about the athleticism. But I think you can go down the list. Alabama's got Bryce Young. We can talk about athleticism. We can talk about arm strength. They've got Mac Jones as well. Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler. The lines very, very quickly begin to be blurred for me. So what I want to know, I don't care if you can throw the ball. I want to know, can you hit a target? Can you hit a moving target? And I believe that's ultimately what will separate these teams down through potentially the first three games of the season as the shifts, the initial shifts begin to happen. Impressive wins against nobody opponents. Needless to say, Matt, I'm not going to complain with the rankings at this point in time. I'm not going to even propose to shift teams around because I, I think they've got, when you look at how each team finished last season, I think they've got, got them pretty accurate at this point in time. Well, clearly we, we've agreed on this. We talked about this for a while. Clemson and Ohio state, the number one, the number two teams in the country. I, I don't think anybody can argue that they can argue back and forth between themselves over who deserves to be number one. But here, here's my final thought on this. Georgia, not a conference champion, Oregon conference champion, Alabama, not a conference champion, Oklahoma conference champion, all three of those, excuse me, all four of those schools have a ton of returning talent and question marks at the quarterback spot. It just, again, you could, you can't not have Alabama in the top five. It's just, that's a rule. I mean, it's a hard fact. It's kind of like you can't, you can't have a preseason top 25 and not have Texas involved in it. You can't have a preseason top 10 and not have Alabama as a top and, five. And school. what's crazy about the whole thing is if we were at, to actually assign a point value by talent that's on the roster, it would be hard not to give Alabama that number one spot. But we know talent doesn't always add up to national championships. I think this year – It I, gives I, you an edge? I don't think – sorry, I, I'm jumping in here because I, I don't think that applies. I, I think in a general year that applies. Mm-hmm. What they've got going on at Clemson right now – that is a team that is loaded with NFL talent. That's the Alabama of three, four, you know, two years right. ago even. What Dabo has done is he has stolen that idea or that mindset, that pre-notion. Uh, he, he has he's stolen that from Nick Saban. So what you're saying about Alabama mm-hmm. has been true the last 10 years. That transfers over to Clemson now, in my opinion. Okay. That that in your opinion is absolutely fine, even if it's wrong, because when <laughs> we look at the the talent pool, Alabama is that one team that everybody, every recruit across the nation will continuously talk about. And it's because 
of the established dominance that they've had in what's perceived as the best conference in the country, from top to bottom, best conference in the country. As I said, if we were to assign point values, I believe Alabama would easily be at the top. Now, maybe that is shifting. I'm not going to deny that. I believe that the talent pool is spreading out, and it's spreading out most noticeably in the SEC. All of a sudden, you've got LSU taking a stab at Alabama. You've got uh, Georgia, who for the past several years now has really taken a stab at Alabama. Neither of them have reached that same level of success, but they're knocking on the door of Nick Saban, and they're ready to supplant him as the the premier program potentially in the country, but more specifically in the SEC. That's why I think Alabama is included in the top five, regardless of who will take over at that quarterback position. If it is Mac Jones, fantastic. If it's Bryce Young, fantastic. It's still an extremely talented team that draws in talent from anywhere across. I want to say the globe, but I know football is an American sport. American football, we got to keep it here in the U.S., drawing in top talent from across the country. Florida, Penn State, LSU, Notre Dame round out the top 10, 7, 8, and 9. Now, the Big 12 does have four teams involved in the uh, in the pre, the post-spring top 25 by USA Today. Texas at number 15, Iowa State at number 16, Oklahoma State at number 19. Iowa State kind of becomes a surprising team here uh, in this mix, but... Again, you know, I, I've said this for uh, a while. When you talk about Big 12 quarterbacks going into the season, to me, Brock Purdy's the top of that list. Now, I will say this also. Of these three schools, and you can tell me if I'm crazy or if I'm somewhat on target, of these three schools, I think I would put OSU ahead. I, I mean, I, I, I was going to rank him 15, 16, and 19. I think I'd put OSU ahead of Texas at 15, Texas 16, Iowa State 19. Again, you think about what's coming back. Tylen Wallace, Chuba Hubbard, and and here's what Joe Texas fans are going to say. We won the Alamo Bowl. You know, that's what Texas fans sound like. Uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna talk about being the only Big 12 school to win their bowl game. And, yeah, don't take that away. I mean, good job. You won the Alamo Bowl. But, but look what Oklahoma State had lost in Tylen Wallace. You thought Chuba Hubbard was that you thought that game was Chuba Hubbard's swan song, so to speak, that he was going out uh, in style, but then he decides to come back. And Spencer Sanders had been out for what the last half of the season, and now you've got all that coming back, making one of what I believe one of the more dynamic offensive trios in the Big 12. I think I would take Oklahoma State over Texas at, and Iowa State at this point. Yeah, you make a, make a good case, but I'm going to disagree with you. And for me, I'm going to put— Because you love Sam Ellinger. I'm going to put <laughs> Iowa State up there behind Oklahoma. And, and here's Wait, why. behind Oklahoma? Yeah. So you, so you, you said Iowa Oklahoma State. State. You've got Iowa State as your—outside the Sooners, you would have Iowa State as your next highest-ranked Big 12 team. Yeah, okay. for sure. And, and here's why. is One, I love what Matt Campbell's done on the defensive side of the ball. I think they continue to make strides forward in that area, even though it wasn't their best outing. The, the 2019 mm-hmm. season was not their best outing. I don't think we see that replicated. I don't think we see them as a down defense once again here in 2019. But you've mentioned Brock Purdy, who you believe, and I'm right there with you. If we're giving best returning quarterback 
not best quarterback in the Big 12, best returning quarterback, need to make that distinction. It does belong to Brock Purdy, but it's very easy when you begin to talk about Kennedy Brooks, Chuba Hubbard, some of the other running backs that are in the Big 12 conference that we just completely forget about Brees Hall. Right, exactly. And now here's the thing is, is Brees Hall with a, a year under his belt in a strength and conditioning program and experience in that offense, I think he's primed for an even bigger year than what we saw him burst onto the scene with last year. So give me the number one quarterback. Give me what I'm going to say is the number three running back in the conference at this point in time. Put them on the field, and I like their odds, assuming they can stay healthy. Yeah, and here's the thing. Um, you know, we got about a minute and a half to close this section out. Um, Oklahoma State, Chuba Hubbard can run the football. Iowa State, Brees Hall can run the football. Well, and they've oh, got that tight end, right. which well, I'm, I'm blanking about, on his name. I'm just talking about yeah. that. He's from Norman, by the way. Caught the uh, touchdown mm-hmm. uh, in Norman. Uh, but uh, Oklahoma State can run the football. Iowa State can run the football. Oklahoma Kennedy Brooks can run the football. Texas – what you got? I mean, still a mystery. You're going to have a true freshman, and maybe he you could he it, could end up being the best running back in the Big Twelve. And but you can't have a quarterback playing that position this year. The point I'm making is that's why you got, in my opinion, a big question mark mm-hmm. about Texas. Right. Um. In here again, we're down to 30 seconds. Quick thought here. Um. Tom Herman, this is a make or break season for Tom Herman. You, I mean, you can't lose five games in 2020 and keep your job. You've got to make it to the Big 12 championship, and he may have to win the Big 12 championship to keep his job. Not having spring and then having limited summer, that can't be anything but a disadvantage for Tom Herman. Right. And Tom Herman's going to be one of the names that people placed on the hot seat for this season. You're doing it. I'm going to jump on board with that. When we begin to look at Tom Herman, I think he's done a better job at Texas than Charlie Strong had done. But the reality is that the expectations are extremely lofty. And when you don't begin to meet those and instead season after season after season, you are just mediocre sub par from what the expectations were. All of a sudden people start to say heads need to roll. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And that's going to be an interesting storyline to watch. Okay. We got some recruiting update. Oklahoma's got a target that's recruiting other players. The Sooners do pick up the fourth commitment for the class of 2021. And a big-time defensive end makes his top 13 schools, and Oklahoma's on the list. All right, we still have Bill Williamson from Silver and Black Pride coming up to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders, Jalen Hurts, CeeDee Lamb, Kenneth Murray. Rich, one of the questions I asked Bill is, you can only have one. Who are you taking? And then who do you think the Raiders are going to take? You might be surprised at his answer. I mean, that's coming up, so pay attention to that. Okay, Oklahoma, something we talked about last week uh, as far as recruiting and Caleb Williams is this idea that Caleb Williams is going to go out and start recruiting guys himself, a la what Spencer Rattler did when he came to the University of Oklahoma. And that is exactly what he's doing. Um, So what we talked about last week was affirmed this week with Caleb Williams and his uh, his blog that he writes for Sports Illustrated. Here's what he says. Now that I've released my top five, I'm able to recruit and just build relationships with other top athletes in the nations, says Williams. It's kind of cool, and I've been waiting to do that. 
I wanted to release my top schools and be able to recruit and build relationships with these top guys. I want to help get the best recruiting class and character guys to play with me wherever I am. Now, this is good. And if you're the University of Oklahoma, you want to see this because you want to have the type of impact with a Caleb Williams that you had with Spencer Rattler. What we talked about was Spencer Rattler didn't come in on his own. He came in with a guys, a group of guys that he had recruited, and that's exactly what Caleb Williams has done as well. Now, Williams mentions specifically um, a handful of guys. I think there were seven guys that he mentions, and coincidentally, all seven of those guys currently hold an offer from the University of Oklahoma. Now, one of the guys that he talks about, J.C. Latham, uh, an offensive lineman, that guy's going to Ohio State. He's not coming to the University of Oklahoma. But also keep in mind that Ohio State is not one of Williams' top five, so you don't have to worry about that. But there's six other guys that are in play, and one of those guys, Mario Williams, is a heavy, heavy lean towards the University of Oklahoma. Um, and then there's some other guys that he mentions uh, like Malcolm Johnson Jr. Uh, that that Oklahoma's in on. This is a good. This can't be anything other than a good thing for the University of Oklahoma because you, you can't. I, I saw one person on Twitter talk about you know this isn't good because what happens if a guy like Mario Williams or Malcolm Johnson Jr. says, hey, I know you want to go to that school, but here's the school I'm going to, and so come here and play with me. Keep in mind, that is not the situation. Williams, and I, I, I stick to my guns on this, Williams knows where he wants to go to school. And so if a guy like Malcolm Johnson Jr. says, hey, I'm going here, congratulations on your, on your visit to Norman and your decision to go to school there, but I'm going to LSU or I'm going to Clemson. You know, Williams would be like, all right, go. I'll find someone else to replace you. Um, this is not other guys recruiting Williams. This is Williams recruiting other guys. It was exactly what we said was going to happen last right. week. And and again, if you're sitting from the position of a fan of the University of Oklahoma, this has to be good news to you. And like I said, he's not going to make his announcement anytime soon. But are you ready for this, Rich? I believe we will have an announcement before the 1st of August. Commitment-wise. Commitment-wise. Okay. I believe that. No, that, that, which begs the next question, which comes first, a Caleb Williams announcement or the first Oklahoma football practice? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I love the mentality that, that Caleb Williams has really taken in to the recruiting process because not only are we getting the behind the looks through this blog that is Sports Illustrated, yeah. putting that on, that Sports Illustrated is putting on and has really coordinated with Williams and his family. We're getting that behind the scenes look at one of the nation's premier talents and getting to delve into or dive into some of the details that we wouldn't otherwise have been previewed to. But we're also seeing the flip side of that as it comes out on social media. And I believe it's all part of the SI experience, that Sports Illustrated experience. But here's what I'm going to say in conjunction with that is when you begin to look at guys that you would like to play with, when you begin to look at talent that you want to sit next to when your team 
runs onto the field, it's hard to look at someone, even if we're looking at a Mario Williams, who's an excellent receiver that anybody in the country would love to have at this point in time, regardless of the state, the school that he goes to, it's because of what you see on film. It's because of the high ceiling as well as the, the high floor that he currently has. But when you're comparing a Mario Williams to a Caleb Williams, who's the guy that has the bigger draw? Who's the guy that has the bigger say? It's always going to be the quarterback. And when you begin to look at leaders in the locker room, it's not often that you point to a wide receiver and let them be the rallying point. It's more 99.9% of the time, it is that quarterback position. And so I'm just going to piggyback what you've said. And I, I don't believe that anyone sways Caleb Williams on where to go outside of family, the campus, student life experience, in a coaching staff at this point in time. Regardless of what we hear, regardless of what's published on social media, Caleb Williams will be this magnetic force that draws others to him and not the opposite way around. Well, yeah, you're exactly right. And this is why this is so important, what Williams is doing. Of the seven guys that he mentioned, like I said, J.C. Latham, he's going to Ohio State. It looks like, for all intents and purposes, that Mario Williams is coming to the University of Oklahoma the other five guys are still very much in play. There is not a single team that has a heavy lean on these other five guys. And so Caleb Williams could be the guy who sways them to the University of Oklahoma. And remember, this is coming down to two schools. I know there's five schools mentioned, but this is coming down to two schools. <laughs> it's coming down to the University of Oklahoma or it's coming down to LSU. And one of those two schools is going to get a bevy of recruits that comes in with Caleb Williams. Speaking of bevy of recruits, Oklahoma picks up the fourth commitment to the 2021 class. Another guy that we talked about last week in Choctaw, Oklahoma product, Jordan Mukes. I love this, uh, this decision. I love the possibilities for this kid. He's a corner in high school right now, 6'4", 192 pounds. He's going to play safety at the next level, and this is a, a good pickup for the University of Oklahoma. Again, going back to January, I haven't looked at him since he committed, but on the day he committed, he had 11 scholarship offers. Going back to January, at the end of January, he had zero scholarship offers. Oklahoma was able to jump in on him and pick him up, not just offer him, but pick him up and get him committed before really he, he gets a, an explosion of offers what you and I talked about last week was this was the offer he wanted. This was a school he wanted to be a, to be a part of. This was his dream. And as soon as that offer came in, it was a no-brainer. And now OU has him locked in before the other because he's going to get. I mean, he's going to get on radars, and he's getting on radars. And you're going to see that offer list grow exponentially from where it is. And we've already seen it grow in the last week since we podcasted. He's picked up three more offers since um, since we podcasted last week. This is a good commitment, good pickup for OU. It gives them the uh, the fourth member, like I said, of their 2021 class. Two defensive guys, two offensive guys. You, you got to like where, where they sit uh, right now. And more so, I believe what this speaks to is what Alex Grinch wants to do, specifically with the secondary. Get some of these taller defensive backs in as recruits, begin to shape, begin to mold them. I know you can talk about guys coming out of high school, 
being raw, but ultimately they must be coachable. And I believe that's exactly what you find in a Jordan Mukes. I know that Oklahoma is also going after a handful of other players after Mukes had committed. Another offer went out to a big defensive back, a taller defensive back. Again, the the, the way that I'm reading this is I love the get, but it it's it's really setting us up for the trajectory on what's going to happen in the next few years on the defensive side of the ball. And as I said, more specifically when it comes to the secondary. Well, and you also have to be excited that they're Oklahoma kids. You know, the only other defender, a defensive guy that Oklahoma has right now for 2021 is Ethan Downs from Weatherford. But you got two, the two guys you're, you're, you're starting the base of your defensive class with in 2021 are both guys from the state of Oklahoma. So if you're a fan of football in the state of Oklahoma, that should uh, that should make you feel well also. Um, okay, so Oklahoma also gets in on Chambray Jackson, a, a, a defensive end, 6'4", 243. Um, he listed his, uh, I guess, top 13, so to speak, Orlando, Florida <laughs> kid. And Oklahoma is right now um, in, in the mix. He's got 30 scholarship offers. He's listed 13. Um, in Oklahoma there. The number 15 strong side defensive end in the class of 2021, according to 24-7 Sports, also the 30th ranked overall prospect from the state of Florida. I, I don't know that, ultimately, I don't know that Oklahoma gets him. I think he really likes Florida State. But again, Alex Grinch is getting an audience, like you said, with some big-time players and some of the top guys, I mean, four or five-star recruits. Here's one that's looking Oklahoma's way, and Oklahoma has at least made it to not necessarily the finish line, but they're in the final, you know, the final countdown with him. Right, and you you have to think again. What does this say about the the type of talent that Oklahoma wants to put on to the field? And, and that's really when these offers go out, when people begin to narrow it down. I, I begin to hone in or begin to focus in on what are the capabilities of that player. What makes them special? Why does Oklahoma want them? What would be the reason that they would step onto the field for Oklahoma? And everything comes back to me, at least, when it comes to Jackson, is that pass rush ability. Again, a raw type player, but with a high ceiling, can be an impact player. But you also look at the versatility that he possesses, the frame that he possesses, and you know that, okay, if we get too many defensive ends, there's the possibility that he could fit some other kind of of a role. Not saying that that happens at any university, at any program that he chooses, but he does have that kind of a frame. So there's a lot that you could do with him. Oklahoma has been known to put these versatile or even these tweener players on the field at that defensive end or that linebacker position. Could Jackson be one of those type guys, or could he just be a pass rush specialist like we've also seen in the past? Again, I have questions but I see how Oklahoma uses them. And I be I believe it's leaning towards this thought that Oklahoma wants to get elite pass rushers onto the field, especially with the style of football here in the Big 12. That's not a big secret. That's not some big revelation. I'm, I'm stating the obvious. I get it, but there it is. Bill Williamson coming up to talk Las Vegas Raiders and Oklahoma Sooners, Jalen Hurts, CeeDee Lamb, Kenneth Murray. If the Raiders could only take one of those guys, who would it be? All right, we want to welcome in Bill Williamson, Silver and Black Pride, part of the SB Nation Network, covering the Las Vegas Raiders. 
Okay, Bill, first of all, I got a, something I'm struggling with, and I was in Las Vegas in February, went by the stadium, beautiful stadium, but I'm still struggling with the words Las Vegas in front of Raiders. I still want to put Oakland there. How, how, from a fan perspective, how has that transition taken place? Well, you know, this is a, this is a, something that's been in the world for a few years, and the Raider fans have been used to this. I mean, the Raiders lead the league. In moves, you know, of course, they moved from Oakland to Los Angeles in 1982. They moved from Los Angeles to back Oakland in 95. So they're used to this. Um, you know, I, I think some, you know, Oakland Raider fans are pretty upset. But, again, they're used to it, and the Raiders are a pretty big brand. They got fans throughout California, throughout the country, and, I think a lot of people realize, you know, at the end of the day, this is going to be a good thing for the franchise because they get that great new stadium. They get a great new facility in the Las Vegas area. And, and it's something they've been lacking in the Bay Area. They, you know, the stadium is is really, you know, it's past due. It's outdated, the Open Coliseum, and, and their facility was as well. So this is going to help the team, and, and you know, it's going to be a money maker for the team, and when your team has more money, you're able to do better things for the club, and it makes you win easier. So the Raiders have five picks in the first three rounds of the NFL draft, and what our listeners are going to want to really know from you um, is where where do some of the Oklahoma football players fall in as far as a desire to see them play for the team or even really a desire for the team to have them there. Now, three names that are uh, kind of synonymous with the Raiders at this point are linebacker Kenneth Murray, wide receiver CeeDee Lamb, and, and quarterback Jalen Hurts. Now, if you had to pick one of those guys, you could only get one. Who who falls in the highest priority for you and, and also for the franchise in general? Yeah, well, the way I look at it is what – it's not what I would do, what I think the franchise would do. And, and I, I think any one of those three guys could be a Raider at the end of the, that draft, any one of them, maybe all three, sure. They went on a run on Clemson players last year, so they are not afraid to go after multiple players from one program. Um, if I had to bet what's more the most likely, I think it would be Lamb because he's, a, he's an option at number 12. Um, I think the odds um, – uh, of, of these three players ended up being the Raiders. I'd go in order of Lamb, Hurts, and Murray. Um, Murray being third because they picked two, uh, two linebackers in free agency um, who's going to start, but I can still see them drafting him. So, yeah, I could see any one of these three, but I would start with Lamb. I think a, a little hint was uh, Daniel Jeremiah, who's plugged in um, draft analyst from NFL Network. He, he tweeted last week sometimes that, there's two teams that stood out to him um, for Lamb as perfect fits. And one was the Raiders. I think the other was the Jets. I'm not sure. But the point is, he pinpointed the Raiders. And that's significant because General Jeremiah is very close with Mike Mayock, who's the Raiders general manager now. They work together. And Jeremiah kind of took his place at the NFL Network. They work together. but So they're very tight. And there were some clues last year in the Raiders draft. So the fact that he put out there that, you know, Lamb's a perfect fit for the Raiders. I think he's getting that, you know, from his – I don't know if Mike Mayock is telling him that directly, but I think he's getting that from just knowing who Mike Mayock is. Oklahoma has enjoyed seeing uh, the number one overall pick in the draft be a quarterback the last two years. Clearly that's not going to happen with Jalen Hurts this year. But 
People are saying that uh, based off of the combine in Oklahoma, one of the few universities to able to sneak in a pro day before before the shutdown, Jalen Hurts seems to have elevated himself into the second round. The Raiders currently do not have a second round pick, but you got three third round picks. What is what are the chances that you see the Las Vegas moving into that second round by positioning some leverage with their extra picks? Yeah, I mean, it just it just really depends on what they can do. I mean, they, the Raiders have five they have five picks in the first ninety one, but no second rounders. As you said two first rounders. So, I mean, do they trade number 19 and get a second rounder? Maybe. Um, it might be a case that if the Raiders keep those three first round, third rounders, excuse me, 80, 81, and 91 on Friday night and Hurts is somehow there, I think they would take them. Um, I think they like him a lot. Um, I think a lot of teams like him. I don't think he's going to be there in the third round. I mean, quarterbacks go. We know this. And he's had a nice draft season he impressed a lot of people in the at the combine. So yeah, I think he could um, go in the second round. I, I, you know, I saw a, draft, a mock draft at him going to the Patriots at number twenty three. Um, you know, he might be a, a a Patriot guy. You know, a smart guy, a guy who's produced, a guy who's overcome adversity, a guy who's been at big programs, a guy that's worked with Nick Saban, who is obviously close with Belichick. So maybe that's a place for him at 23. Who knows? Um, so, yeah. Could I see the Raiders take them in the third round? Certainly. Could I see him being available in the third round? That's a stretch. Bill Williamson is our guest right now on the Center Nation podcast. Uh, Silver and Black Pride, uh, SB Nation Network of, um, of NFL coverage. Bill, you, you let's go back to City Land for just a minute. Um, to, for Oklahoma fans and for us to be able to cover and watch his progression from his first season into his third season, just he is a different player all around, different body type, different the way he runs his routes. He's gotten stronger with his hands. We see this guy as someone who immediate contributor in, in whatever offense. Now, Gruden, um, Gruden has made his mark on the NFL as an offensive guy. Do you see Lamb being a guy who comes in and immediately pays dividends for the Raiders, or do you see him as a guy, if the Raiders selected him, would need a little bit of time to adjust and maybe take the role, uh, role position before becoming a top target in year two or three? Well, it's an interesting question. The Raiders have a, a need at number one. They don't have a number one receiver. So, um, And barring something weird, they're not going to get it in the veteran market. So, um, yeah, that – draft pick who they likely take at 12 will be will have an opportunity to go in the number one and you know I, i've said this that you know don't expect miracles in year one this is a very tough transition receiver you know from college to the nfl it takes time you really don't see receivers truly blossom in the second third year um it's not like a running back where you can come in and have instant success so yeah i mean if 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 Lamb comes in there and has fifty sixty catches, that's a heck of a that's a heck of a rookie year for anybody. Now in his third year, he may have a hundred catches. You know, so I mean, should we come in and expect him to come? You know, have ninety catches as a rookie? I mean, think I think that's difficult to ask him from any rookie. But if he can do it, wow, what a what a year! Well, I want to ask you uh, finally about Kenneth Murray. He's the guy that we have not talked about. Again, uh, when, you, when you look at his collegiate career, 
Uh, he's not playing the position that he was recruited to play when he came to Oklahoma, changed his body, has a lot of speed, uh, extremely strong. Athletic is the way he's, um, he's described. Is he a player that intrigues you at all as a Raiders fan? Well, I'm a Raiders reporter. Um, but, yeah, I, I, think he is a, uh, I think he is a great fit for the Raiders. I think he checks all the boxes that, um, you know, Mike Mayock, he doesn't make the final decisions, but he certainly does, all, all, you know, most of the draft legwork, and, and he kind of recommends to, to Gruden. So, you know, when I say that I think he's a perfect Mike Mayock draft profile, that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be the pick um, because Gruden makes the pick. But, you know, he's a guy who's produced. He's, he's a leader. Um, he comes from a big program. He he has a high ceiling. Those are the you know, those are the type of guys that um, Mayock and Gruden pick last year. So I, I, and the Raiders were, were hanging around him at at, at the uh, at the combine. So I, I do think that he's a certainly a, a possibility at 19. But again, because they drafted two linebackers, excuse me, they freaked, they got two linebackers in free agency. There may be other needs, higher needs than linebacker at number 19. All right, Bill, final question. Um, the odds, percentages that the Raiders call at least one name from the University of Oklahoma on opening night of the draft? Well, I mean, heck, you know, you got to give me some good odds there because there's a lot of colleges, right? So I want good odds at any school. But I would think that, yeah, keep an eye on it. Don't be surprised if one of those top three guys wearing silver and black all right well tell uh, tell our listeners how they can find your content uh where they can listen to you and follow you on twitter yeah uh b williamson nfl uh silver and black pride i i, I work for uh, turf show times at sb nation do the ram side as well and uh i appreciate you having me. yeah bill thanks so much man take care buddy one of the things that we talked about um last week maybe even the week before, I honestly can't remember. One of the things that we have talked about in the past was how much the Raiders loved Jalen Hurts. Were you surprised to hear Williamson say that he thinks there's a better chance that Jalen Hurts is in silver and black than a guy like Kenneth Murray? Yeah, for sure. And and one of the needs, you can read about any of the needs through any of the mock drafts that have been published up to this point. And one of the things that seemed to be a consensus was Kenneth Murray at number 19 to the Raiders. Clearly, it was a need. You've got a little bit more information, though, about why that potentially changed. Well, I mean, he talks about it in, in, the, uh, in the interview that the Raiders have addressed through free agency some of their need at linebacker. And, and again, go back to what he said, that Mike Mayock really likes Kenneth Murray, but it's not ultimately it's not his decision as to who the Raiders are going to pick. The only thing he seems to be sure of is if at number 12, a CeeDee Lamb's there, they're taking him. Mm-hmm. He also, if, if at, in the third round, if Jalen Hurts is there, they're taking him. So yeah. I, I don't, I mean, where, where does Kenneth Murray? And again, he makes a point that, you know, they went on a run of Clemson players last year. They could go on a run of Oklahoma players this year. I was just surprised. Honestly, I knew the Raiders were high on Jalen Hurts. I was surprised to hear his opinion that they may be a little bit higher on Jalen Hurts than they are. I, I never thought they're high on Jalen Hurts, and I could come at Kenneth Murray's expense. That that I never crossed that bridge. Right. I, I wouldn't have either. When I begin to look at the landscape there, the specifically for the quarterback, 
With the Raiders, you've got Carr. I, I don't know how long he plays with them. Uh, that's a complete mystery to me. But I believe Marcus Mariota was a step up into that role. And then they begin looking for really that, that next option. See, and I'm going to disagree with you because I, I, don't think, I don't think that's why they got Marcus Mariota. I think they got Marcus Mariota as the fail-safe right now for David Carr, not to be the heir to David Carr. I think whoever they take in this draft— So you think Jalen Hurts could potentially exactly. be— Wait, wait, wait. Be an NFL starter. Yes, not okay. not this season. I think mm-hmm. that's why this is a good situation for Hurts to go into because if the Raiders take him, he's going to be QB number three. Okay, so that means you got to go through David Carr, you got to go through Marcus Mariota to get to the third quarterback. Seldom does that happen in the NFL, but it gives him the opportunity to. I mean, John Gruden is a great guy right. to play for. If you're, I mean, go back to, you know, go back to Tampa Bay and what he did there. He's a great guy mm-hmm. to play for if you're a quarterback. He can win with quarterbacks. So, all that said, yes, I do believe they're not looking at Jalen Hurts as a backup. They're looking at Jalen Hurts as a guy that when David Carr's done, here's the next guy we have in line. And we can thank the NFL Combine because Jalen Hurts blew the lid off of that place. Mm-hmm. Far by far outseated, outseated, exceeded <laughs> expectations. When I begin to look at what the Raiders were looking for and the reason I believed, and I, I still believe it's true to some extent because this would go for any NFL franchise, is that Kenneth Murray, his demeanor, the way that he plays, the energy, I should say, that he plays with, and the fact that you don't hear about him in any tabloids. You don't hear about these out-of-character outbursts that some former Oklahoma players may have been known for makes him a, a prime target because you know that you can rely on him regardless of the situation. But I think that that same notion, that same idea, would apply to a Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts came into Oklahoma, and maybe Alabama fans were accustomed to this, but I don't think we recognized until he stepped on campus just how focused Mm -hmm. he can be. Another guy that you only heard good things about volunteering his time, he wasn't ever in the news for the wrong reasons. And so I see that as an attractive quality, but at the quarterback position, it's, it's about much more than that. Yeah, no doubt. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. Thanks so much for uh, for listening. Uh, again, thanks to Bill Williamson. Uh, you're going to want to follow um, what they're doing over there, Silver and Black Pride, uh, leading up to the draft. Lots of information is going to be coming out um, about that. And, uh, again, everybody stay safe and uh, be happy. Boomer Sooner.